Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. Thank you for joining. I have a very mischievous little kitty with me today who is trying to knock over my equipment. So if you hear a loud crash, bang, boom sound, and you can see my microphone moving maybe around or maybe not. You can't see that because you're listening. (laughs) I can see the microphone moving around because she keeps putting it. Anyways, I'm really excited to have this special guest on my show. This is not only my best friend, but someone that I have looked up to from the day that I met her and just been in awe of her her grace and her eloquent thought process and ability to speak and and go deep on things and it's it's one of the things I cherish about our friendship like way back in college when we met we would sit and have these really long deep conversations just about life just about anything and everything like nothing was taboo nothing is taboo still um so without further ado I introduce you to Cass Cassandra um are you going by Schwitzgibble now? Oh, Wick? Cass. Yeah. Cass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she has moved across the country away from me and my poor little heart and is living in um, kind of a suburb of Frankfurt, Offenbach, Germany. So, Cass, how are you doing? It's like evening there, right? Six-ish? Five-ish? It, it is evening. It's, it's actually because the U.S. has already entered daylight saving time. Um, we're only eight hours apart today, so it's five five twenty three. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's that's pretty speak. good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cass and I have gone through like, um, well, I mean, I always reference a timetable when I'm trying to figure out what what's a good time to chat with you. So, and you've been over there for uh, has it been a couple of years now, right? Almost two years. It'll be two years in April. Yeah. So she crazy this German man and he took her away from me. Everybody feel bad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's really yeah, fun in, to visit you. Including me though. I mean, I miss you and Oregon just absolutely like in my bones. I, I miss I miss home. Yeah. Home misses you too. And my heart. Especially especially now during our birthday month yeah I feel like the distance even more our hiking our smoothies our yoga (laughs) our running our hanging out with animals and eating really good food all of that is yeah me too I uh, so Cass and I have this long well, first of all, our birthday month, we're both born in the month of March. So it's really fun to celebrate our birthdays together. Um, and and since Cass lives across the world, well, you know, we haven't been in the same country. No, I'm sorry. We haven't been living in the same city as each other for several years now. So we have been practicing a long distance relationship for probably like a decade something like that I a bit more I think the last time we lived in the same city was oh goodness what was it like 2008 right before you moved to Seattle yeah and I moved to Portland mm-hmm. yeah yeah so over a decade wow of having this friendship not only long distance, but long term, I think it's a, it's a, it's something to be celebrated and it's not an easy thing to maintain and to, to stay close and to feel this close. And so I think it'd be fun to talk a little bit about how we make that work. Um, like what are some of our tips and tricks for other people out there who have friends that are far away, who you've known for a while, what it, what it is that, makes this work and obviously like I love you to death and 
you're my soul sister. So right there in and of itself is like, I want to make it work. So I will, <laughs> but we have some fun little practices. Do you, do you want me to share first and then you add on to it or do you want to go first? Oh, go ahead, please. Okay. Well, Take one, it of my, away. <laughs> one of my favorite things that Cass and I do, and this is your idea, Cass, is to ship boxes what well, first started out with just like trading closets so we would trade closets all the time in college and then when we moved away from each other we would end up shipping closets so we would pack up a little box <laughs> of things that we were sick of that we didn't want to get rid of and mail it to each other probably like once a month or so once every other month and it's just so fun because when I get your stuff it's so thoughtful like you've clearly thought of me you've pictured me in something I feel like I'm being wrapped up in a hug by you and I can smell you Mm -hmm. and um, these are clothes like we've been trading for again over a decade some of them (laughs) (laughs) so they have all these memories attached to them right like a trip to Mexico or a road trip up to Portland from Ashland it's just it's such a magical thing. And this was your idea, Cass. So that's, that's probably my favorite little tradition we have. What do you want to add on to that? I think I agree. I, well, I don't remember that being my idea, but um, I do agree that like just the, the anticipation of like, I just got a box from you today um, for my birthday, which is tomorrow. And um, it's, it's almost like, I think for me, the process of getting gifts for you is almost better than getting the gifts you send me because I love, I love thinking about you and, and like finding something that like, I guess what you said is kind of what I'm trying to convey, like sending you love and hugs because we can't physically be together I want to give that experience to you in the way that it's available. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the overall maintaining a friendship that's long distance and, and long-term, I think, I think the thing for me that's been the most helpful is that in the last couple of years, I think you and I have really, gotten better at communicating with each other around like like if I'm going through a patch where I'm feeling insecure like I'm not hearing from you as often as I want or um we don't have time to check in and and see each other's faces I think the process of of hashing that out and being able to tell you like I just really need time with you or um you know, I'm feeling some insecure attachment happening mm-hmm. um, has, has really helped me feel like I can weather the, the distance and the, all that that entails. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that there's also like, there's a way that our efforts are matching. Like you make an effort to reach out and find time in your super busy schedule so that we can have calls um, and see each other, you know, every couple of weeks at least. And we both are making an effort to, to text each other. And um, I think it gets really difficult when one person is like really making all the effort and the other person is, is just kind of along for the ride. Um, I had one friendship that basically fell apart for that reason when I moved to Germany. Um, and that's super painful. It's really, it's a really painful thing when you're far away from everyone and suddenly you just stop hearing from from people you care about. It's kind of like that out of sight, out of mind experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. For sure. 
And Germany is just so far away. <laughs> yeah. So it really is like a, a practice, just like any other relationship, you know, romantic or otherwise. It's um, a commitment and it's a, a willingness to show up and it's, it's a practice. And we've had so many opportunities to grow with each other. And to, I think one of the things that's really helped is that we're on this similar path of working on ourselves simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And as we go through these things, um, like these emotional upheavals or these self-exploration journeys, we're always able to like talk about it. Like you said, we're able to um, say, Hey, I'm feeling insecure about this. This hurt my feelings. Like you're one thing that I think you've really taught me is, is this ability to be honest and vulnerable with my feelings in, in the face of someone else, which is such a hard, hard thing for me to do. And you know, this, like, yeah, <laughs> I put up this and I, you know, m most of us do have this self-protection mechanism. I mean, all of us do have a self-protection mechanism and mine shows up in the way that like I close off and, um, really go inside and stop communicating. So one of the things that I've learned from you and you've helped draw out in me is this ability to, to say, Hey, I'm having a hard time. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling emotional. I'm upset. And just to allow that to be this thing that is said without you feeling like you have to fix it. So I really, I really value that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've seen big changes in you with that in the last, I would say, probably year and a half, especially. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, uh, it's really, I think that's, uh, that's something I really love about our friendship is we get to watch each other unfold more and mm -hmm. more. And I know you have a huge influence on me and the things I work on and how I work on them. And um, it feels nice to hear you say that that's something that happens for you too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a mirror for me. We've always been mirrors for each other. And so when I see you doing your own work and I see how you show up in a vulnerable way, it gives me permission and it, it inspires me to do the same. I think is what I'm trying to say. It, it really it's like, oh, if Cass can do this, okay, then I can too. It's okay. You know? That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I, <laughs> I just realized, like, one of the fundamental things about our friendship that I, I hope everyone gets to have a friend like, like what we have, you know, this kind of relationship is I think you're probably one of the very few people in my life, like, actually maybe the only person who I feel like I could go out tomorrow and just like do a shooting spree and you know just or it's something insane and you would still be there <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> <laughs> like and I, just to anybody listening like that's not even yeah, if you a knew Cass, possibility. Like, <laughs> the reason she she chose those words is because it's like the most ludicrous thing that we could ever imagine you doing, right? Like you wouldn't even hurt a fly. <laughs> but I get the analogy of, yes, it's the unconditional love. It's the unconditional, okay, what happened? Why did you go crazy there? You know, I know you're still the, in there. What's talk, talk to me. <laughs> Let's unpack this. <laughs> Yeah. and uh let's get you a lawyer like yes. you know <laughs> right yeah I think I think that that's and that's the same is true for for you if you you know went on some maniacal like trip and did the worst possible thing like I would still love you and I would still show up for you so yeah. that 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 is the, the thing like I think it is really hard to make these friendships it, especially you know in today's world 
to make these friendships last with the, you know, added complication of being far apart and in COVID where we can't even travel to see each other um, is just like the security, the security that I feel and didn't always feel, Mm -hmm. but feel now in, in our friendship. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a journey to, to that uh, sense (laughs) of security and safety my foot's falling asleep. I have to adjust my foot. Okay, that's better. Uh, mm. <laughs> so speaking of, um, I think speaking of insecurity and in our relationship and um, this evolution, I've been asking you to be on this podcast. Actually, we talked about creating our own podcast a few years ago. And, and so here you are here. Yay. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Um, but I know that like this idea of visibility um, and, and showing up in this way is, is scary and I get it. And so I'm wondering if you're willing to talk about what that's been like to you, for you, what it means to you. And yeah, talk to me a little bit about visibility, especially, you know, with our, our, um, are oversharing on our society's oversharing on Facebook, on Instagram, on all these ways we really want to be front and center in the spotlight. And how I don't want to say resist, but like there's there is a certain amount of resistance there for you. Do would you mind? Can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, as I as you were like leading into this, I noticed that I'm starting to sweat a little bit and get nervous because this week has been a week of risk taking for me in this, in this sphere. (laughs) Um, I really have struggled with like the idea of being out in the world and have I would say worked pretty hard to stay kind of in the shadows. And like, I think I, I, I make personal connections, but I'm not like really active in trying to draw attention to myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, there are lots of reasons for that. And I've been reflecting on it this week. And I think that one of the big, like lingering things for me is really um, that in my environment growing up, the, you know, people responsible for my abuse, which was extensive and um, covered a lot of territory. It was really like a safety maneuver for me to stay as much out of their out of their attention as possible. Um, And so like just the whole concept of drawing attention to myself feels really unsafe. Mm. And that's something that I'm working on. Like I currently have a role at this organization um, as managing director for the Westfeld Institute for Emotional Hygiene and as fate would have it, it's really not possible to be in that role without, (laughs) without doing some of this, without being out in the world. And so I've known this for a long time and Tess, I'm sure you know better than anyone that, that I am really good at digging in my heels and, and waiting until the last possible minute to start on this like a work start working on something that I really don't want to address mm-hmm. um, which is this idea of of really being seen and yet here we are <laughs> <laughs> here you are <laughs> damn it <laughs> I got you no I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah oh. in the most loving way um <laughs> Well, and I, and the work at the Westfield Institute, the emotional, emotional hygiene work, I think in a big way has, has allowed you to take that step into that place of, 
maybe fear, but also does it feel a little bit um, exciting as well? Ooh. I mean, I get a thrill from like this workshop that you and I are involved in, in planning together. Um, there's, there's a real, like in, in doing that and even asking for that to get created mm-hmm. and for the people who are participating to approach them was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like risking rejection and setting myself up to be in a position where these people I really admire uh, for them to think I'm weird or like, <laughs> or like, who is this person even? Like, why would we want to do anything with you? Um, so it's like partly that preemptive, like I just assume that people are judging me in that way. And it really stops me from, from trying to reach out and, um, and make these opportunities happen. But truthfully, like the success of the organization I'm, I'm essentially running is, is dependent on, on just that which, you know, is real irritating for me personally. Like, <laughs> I just stay in my little uh, social media free, mostly life and, and, you know, just like fly under the radar. I could do that and, and be pretty content, but that's not the way the cards have been laid out for me. So yeah. Well, and there's we something to be said for, for being social media free. There's people that do it and there's value in it. Like there's definitely value in taking a step back from social media and just being like, I don't need that in my life right now. I want to take a break. I want to really check in with myself because it can be very, there's value in it. And there's also value in just, it can be so comparative, you know, and when you think about your judge showing up, my judge is real strong. I think we have that in common. So my judge shows up, I'm scrolling through Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Oh, this person has more likes, more followers. There's more comments. And we're just talking about their hairstyle. I'm like, well, what am I missing here? Like, what's the secret (laughs) sauce? (laughs) Um, and, and not to say that that's not a value either. Cause like we all draw inspiration from different, um, ways and maybe it is a hairstyle that really is like, Oh, that's very inspiring. I want to get out there and do something similar. It's just all creative juices that we're sharing and, and, and cultivating. Um, but I think it's healthy to have a balance. I don't know what that balance is. I'm working on it myself of, <laughs> you know, working with an organization, kitty, this kitty, she keeps stepping on my headphones. Um, <laughs> working with an organization like the the Westfield Institute, building a project together, bridging these amazing people like Isak Garcia is doing this workshop. We should probably talk a little bit about that with us in May. Um, I believe her dates are May 22nd and 23rd. Yeah. Brainchild cast, like you were like, I see this vision of emotional hygiene, which is I feel like a relatively new field of study. Not a lot of people are aware of it um, or know what it is. Bringing that in with the physical practice of backbending, which is um, Isak's bread and butter. And that kind of stemmed out of his experience with Bikram and 26 and two mm-hmm. and, and morphed into this Jedi fight club. I believe he calls mm-hmm. it. Cass yeah. has done it. I haven't. So she can talk more extensively on that. And then ending with, um, parasympathetic nervous system. So soothing, rest and digest, really calming. And that really creates such a balance in the body, the emotional cleansing, that cleansing from the inside out, opening up the physical body, and then really soothing and balancing. This is, mm-hmm. this is the concept behind this workshop that you created. What am I missing? Anything? I feel like that really covered it. I mean, this, this really stemmed from my personal experience with chronic anxiety and PTSD. And, um, you know, I, I am aware that when there's a severe trauma, 
that happens in in our lives that it's not just something in the emotions it's not just something in the body it's in it's in both really both places and so you know for me like i have a really strong pattern through the right side of my body that um gets activated when i'm in a space of high anxiety and and um if i'm feeling triggered in in that trauma um so the you know the back bending is is part of my practice to you know keep the psoas muscles nice and elongated and and to um, open the heart space like open the body get the breath moving um and be in present moment where you know anxiety is a, a future facing situation so usually like in a space of anxiety we're not in our bodies in the present moment mm-hmm. and back bending helps snap us into that that present moment um the emotional hygiene work is is so complementary in my experience with like understanding because of its somatic component like emotional hygiene work is present moment. It is body-based and it's really uh, so effective at helping us release those places of trauma and and understanding like what emotions are stuck in us. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, the tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system, soothing and learning how to be a person who rests. I think a lot of a lot of people don't un, like we don't know how to rest anymore. You know, we think of resting as like you know sitting down at the end of the day with a glass of wine or um, maybe maybe taking a nap or sleeping in on the weekend. Like rest is it's it's an active practice. Like you have to create uh, space for that. Um, which by the way, before we jumped on this, I just did one of your yoga nidra meditations mm-hmm. that are on your on your podcast and I highly recommend. Um, you know, I think the one I listened to is just 16 minutes and it's like that's all it takes to really come back to the body and for you know, maybe you don't even know how to come to your body. Mm-hmm. because that's also something like that several years ago I couldn't do mm-hmm. but now through a lot of a lot of these practices that we're talking about the workshop I am you know I have learned how to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hoping to unlearn how to leave my body <laughs> <laughs> but you know that we are I am where I am and mm-hmm. it's it's um maybe one day i'll get there but yeah this this workshop is is going to be um really really restorative i think people will leave there feeling like they've just been relaxing at a spa for a week mm-hmm. getting pampered and um that's that's the goal of course Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm so honored to be a part of it. I can't wait to experience it for myself. It is, you know, I think it's valuable just to a reminder that we teach the things that we need to learn. So this is something that I need to learn myself. It's something that I practice daily. I also have a really quick knee jerk reaction. Um, I spend most of the time probably feeling like I'm this floating head. I always talk about my floating head analogy. <laughs> and, and because I learned very young that my body also was not a safe place. So when we talk about being able to be in the body, connect with the body, it's like, if you, if you spend most of your time outside of that sense of physically inhabiting your body when you get there for the first time in years, maybe, or when you stay longer than is comfortable. That's for me when anxiety comes up 
And it's not uncommon for me to sit down for meditation or to lie down for yoga nidra practice and have my anxiety come right up in my face. Because Mm -hmm. as soon as I get still, as soon as I rest, right, that's when all of those feelings that are trapped in the body start to be like, okay, here we are. Like, let's process, let's, you know, acknowledge me. Hello, I'm here. (laughs) So that's why these, these practices are so important to us. And that's why we're really passionate about sharing. Um, And so thank you for reminding me to, to bring that up. Our, our workshop um, put on by the Westfield Institute is May 22nd and 23rd. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. And um, I have all the details for being able to sign up on my website, which I would definitely be sure to link in the show notes to, to this episode. And also in terms of emotional hygiene and the Westfield Institute itself, if you're, if that's something that you're interested in, um, Cass is the managing director, director, so she can really, um, dive a little bit deeper into that. And also we had uh, Tim Westfield of the Westfield Institute on the podcast a couple of episodes ago talking about how that work, how that theme, this idea was developed and, and where it really stems from. Cass, is there anything in particular you want to share about emotional hygiene? You know, you shared a little bit already, but in, in your experience, you know, what else would you say about it? Anything? Um, well, I think for me, I'd rather share like what this, how this work has been meaningful to me rather than talk about the theory behind it. I think mm-hmm. um, I started doing emotional hygiene work with Tim Westfeld, the founder of the Institute about six years ago. And I was having some really severe panic attacks and like the kind where I would lay down and I could just, I could see my pulse just jumping out of my wrist and, um, and was really like really wound super tight, (laughs) like all the time. Um, and I, I ended up in a session with him and he expressed that he was pretty worried about me, which was something that really shocked me. Like I had worked with therapists and counselors for several years and, and really always got the impression from them that I was pretty fine. You know, like, yes, the, my childhood had, there was a lot of trauma, like a lot of really, strange, um, strange abuses that happened to me. Um, but overall, like they were like, okay, yeah, you're just another client and we'll talk and you'll get to vent and mm-hmm. you leave feeling a little like, like it was cathartic because you just get to have that experience of talking about something. Mm-hmm. And what I realize now is, is like the difference between emotional hygiene and our traditional like psychotherapy is really like in emotional hygiene, we're not engaging the story you tell yourself about yourself Mm -hmm. and the story you tell others about yourself. We're engaging what's actually true about you. And I found that method really um, disarming. For sure. I don't know, Tess, if that word resonates like. <laughs> oh, 100%. That's exactly what I would say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of like that when you talk about like the lobster, how the lobster occasionally like goes and, and hides somewhere on the ocean floor because you know, it's a crustacean, but it outgrows its shell. So it needs to like shed that shell and then, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, regrow one that fits its current state. I feel like for the last six years, I have been a lobster without a shell. Mm. Um, and that's really like the, I think the hardest part of this work, emotional hygiene work is, is, relinquish like the surrender of it Mm -hmm. 
and the willingness to meet myself as I actually am without the stories about who I am. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's wild. It's a trip. And sometimes, you know, I'll have sessions with Tim and I'll leave thinking like, okay, well, that was pretty, pretty mellow. No big deal. And a couple days later, like you don't even realize the change that's happening, but you just get pummeled. You get pummeled by this, this wave of stuff that you didn't even know was there. Um, so it's truly, it's always an adventure. And I think our, our goal with this, with this Institute is, you know, we're a teaching organization. So we want to teach other people to carry on this, this method of coaching. So it's not therapy, it's, it's coaching work. Um, because it is so powerful. And, um, and I think about like, I think about all of the different ways our society would improve if people were able to feel their emotions if they were able to accept their emotions um like i my life is is completely changed like completely different um from when i started this work so yeah. i don't know if there's anything else that you want to hear about that <laughs> no i, I think it. that's Great. I appreciate you sharing. I know it's a, it's a vulnerable subject and I would agree with you that it's, it's really disarming. And um, it puts, I always think about whenever we have this conversation about emotional hygiene, it puts me back into my first touch with it. And um, as I was saying before, earlier in the podcast that I have this, um, my self-protection mechanism is to completely close off my emotions. Like I put up a brick wall and I remember sitting down with Tim the first time we must've been sitting for like no more than five minutes. And I can't even remember what Tim said to me, but just this river of tears (laughs) like exploded out of it felt like out of nowhere, obviously out of my body, but it it was like, I had no control over my body. It was like this, this thing had just, a dam had burst really. (laughs) Um, And so, yes, it's very disarming and um, it can be, it, it can be scary to do that work because it puts you firmly in your body, which, you know, it may or may not be a safe place for you. You may you might have learned that being in the body is not so safe. And so, yeah, I appreciate that that kind of work is, it peels away those layers of the stories we tell about ourselves, which is what Cass was explaining. And in accepting that whoever you are in this moment, that is enough. And, mm-hmm. and you deserve to be happy. You deserve for the universe and the universe is on your side. That's something that Tim said a lot is like, can you believe let's play with this idea that the universe is on your side, that the universe has your back, that, um, that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything, but just be. And, and that is enough. That's, I think one of my big takeaways from the work that I've done with Tim and you at the Westfield Institute, which is so valuable it's just so valuable. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. um, where do I want to go from here? I think, I think what I'd like to hear, I want to be mindful of your time because it's probably close to dinner time, but no, I think okay. what I'd love to know is what, if there's any words of wisdom you're living by these days, like a, a book that you're reading that's invoking some words of wisdom or just like a motto that you have running through your head that, that keeps you in your practice and in your body? That's a really good question. I, you know, as you know, I'm a prolific reader. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just picked up this book, um, 
by Jen Hatmaker. In fact, I think I have it right here. And it's, um, it's like the seven. So it's and the experiment, um, experimental mutiny against excess. So, hmm. so basically the idea is, is um, she takes these seven different categories like clothes, shopping, waste, food, possessions, media, and stress and cycles through trying to reduce the amount of excess in, in her life. Um, so I'm super excited to dive into that. I think like we are, I am a consumer and, <laughs> and I think like with the, just the state of our planet and just trying to always ask myself questions about how I'm contributing to, um, you know, what's happening on our earth and, and how it feels to have access to so much um, and what that means for like, my bank account, what it means for my mental health, my, um, my lightness in the world and how much freedom I experience. Um, mm. So I'm really excited to dive into that. Mm. I love that. Sounds like a good book. Yeah. It's, it's got quite a relig like I wasn't expecting there to be quite such a religious aspect to it. I think that mm. um, that's the author is that's where she's at. And so it's really written through the book. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, I don't identify as like a, a Christian and, and don't really have that belief system. So, but I still am trying to read through that and take mm -hmm. away the wisdom that's there. Cause there definitely is some, yeah. um, another thing that I read this morning, actually, it really hit me, um, was this quote by Carmen Mojica. And it says, I cannot underscore enough how important it is to have people in your life who are delighted by you. Mm. Yes, delighted. It actually is foundational to the self-esteem of a child to have their adults be delighted by their existence. You are worthy of having your full essence enjoyed. I don't mean just sexually. Surround yourself with people who enjoy you who find pleasure in being around you and witnessing you. None of that lukewarm, they cool people shit. <laughs> Be around people who fuck with you heavily and joyfully. Mm -hmm. hmm. the author, tell me the author's name one more time. Carmen. Carmen Mojica. Carmen Mojica. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that awesome. quote to the show notes. That's a great one. To me that, I, as I was thinking about chatting with you today um i was thinking about just that that when i first met you that concept that you saw me in a totally different way than i saw myself and as i looked at you and saw my reflection in you um i liked that better than what i was thinking inside my head and mm -hmm. so you showed up as a person in my life immediately and have always been this person who it really feels like you genuinely enjoy me. <laughs> um, and I don't think I'm making it a, a too strong of an assumption here <laughs> because we have decades <laughs> of, of sharing friendship and relationship and experiences together. And so, yes, I, I empathize with that and I um, love that. And thank you for sharing. I really, it just, I feel like that wraps up our relationship. Yeah, I feel that too. I think one of the, my favorite things about us is that we find the worst of situations absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <clears throat> we have some stories. Like, <laughs> like the time in Mexico with the cactus leaves and the, the face planting on the concrete and... <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Well, we can tell this story. Cass and I, we 
had we just graduated from college? It was our senior yes. year in college. We had just graduated and we were like, let's go to Mexico. We deserve a vacation. It was a stressful senior year. And um, <laughs> so being poor college graduates, I had, I literally had no money. And so Cass was like funding my trip. <laughs> um, that's kind of an aside. So we get to Isla de Mujeres, which is on the uh, Cancun side of Mexico, take a boat to this beautiful island. We're staying in a hostel and we decide, I think it was like the first day there that we're going to go for this run. Mm -hmm. um, and so I already had a little bit of uh, some of the delicious cuisine in my system. And as anyone who has traveled to a foreign country knows, those different spices and ways of cooking can kind of wreak havoc on your gut for the first couple of days, maybe the whole time you're there. <laughs> so we're going for this run and, um, oh, oh, okay. So we're going for this run and this is like kind of a developing area. So there's like construction and weird sidewalks and like steps where they're not aligned like there's a step up and random steel posts sticking up out of the ground <laughs> and so there's these construction workers off to our right and Cass and I are running along and as they do in Mexico like they're kind of cheering for you and, and shouting things at you and we both look over to smile or flip them off or do something like acknowledge that they're shouting at us and I can't remember who it was. Was it you, Cass, that pancaked? Oh, yeah. It was Cass yeah. that pancaked over the steel random thing in the middle of the sidewalk sticking up. She turns her head to the right and just, bam, like falls flat on her face. <laughs> I still have a scar on my ankle from where I kicked that metal post. Yeah, it was. The one that, that took me out. <laughs> legit. So we get to the cast somehow gets up and we are, we like are young and, um, you know, nothing can keep us down. So we continue on our run. Young and rubbery. <laughs> and it's fine. It's like, I'm bleeding. It's fine. <laughs> let's just keep going. It's like what? 90 degrees and 95% humidity. So we're just sweating <laughs> balls <laughs> and we get to the end of the Island cause it's not very long. So we're turning back around and all of a sudden my stomach starts to rumble. And it is not gonna stop. <laughs> so I'm like, I have to find a place to go to the bathroom. And if you travel to Mexico, that's like, it's kind of hard to find a place to, to use the public restroom. And so I don't even know what this little shed was, but we find this little dwelling that seems to be abandoned. And <laughs> sorry for oversharing TMI, but everything that I had eaten just kind of flushes out of me <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what am I going to wipe with? There's no rocks. There's no toilet paper, obviously. And Cass like hands me this papery dry piece of cactus leaf or something. <laughs> cactus is kind of pokey. I don't know if you know crumbling. <laughs> and so that, you know, does the job ish and, um, we, we leave that place and go back to our hostel and continue on many more adventures on that trip. You got stung by a jellyfish. Didn't tell oh, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was quite the adventure. So we have many stories like that, that when things like this happen, you know, maybe some people you get mad. Cass and I just like burst out into fits of laughter for a good 30 minutes sometimes. Yeah, it's actually, it gets painful. <laughs> like, there is one detail uh, that we forgot about that story is that while this was all happening, there was a truck full of people who were watching all of this happen. Um, I blocked that out, I'm sure, because I have no recollection of it. <laughs> yeah, there were like probably 10 people sitting in the back of this truck. And we couldn't entirely close the door all the way to this shed that you were going to the bathroom in because it was completely pitch black in there. <laughs> so the door was cracked open. So it was like, I'm standing outside just dying, laughing so hard. I'm crying. And these people are staring at us just trying to figure out what these two crazy women are up to. Um, very, very amused looks on their faces 
Uh, I saw a little bit of fear. <laughs> I think it'd be all right. <laughs> um, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a, that was a good story. So my takeaway is find yourself a friend, reconnect with an old friend. I don't care where they are in the world, but build a relationship that, you know, stands the test of time. Look for it, seek it out. It is, it is worth it. Cass, thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah, I know. I know this was like a challenging thing for you to do to show up. So I appreciate you being here and sharing yourself with us. Is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? Well, I just want to thank you for being so patient, patiently persistent (laughs) (laughs) in trying to convince me finally to, to do this with you. And I think, you know, as I stand back and look at this next chapter in my life of trying to be more visible in the world and get comfortable with all that that means. I really am looking at you as an example of that. So um, thank you for always like being willing to take those steps as well and for being such a good um a good example to follow. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, my dear. <clears throat> thank you everyone for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or comments or follow-ups or feedback. We appreciate that. I will let Cass go and you have a lovely day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or even requests for future podcast topics, please feel free to reach out to me on the social media handles, Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram, Yogi underscore Katniss, um, email address tessa.tovar that's t-o-v as in victor a-r at icloud.com i love to hear from my students and i'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you if you don't listen i don't do this and my goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat in particular spreading the word outside of the studio thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day bye